My interview guest today is second prize winner at Cinema in an International Film Festival known as Cinema Foundation, as well as the winner of two BAFTAs for his first feature, The Warrior, including Outstanding British Film of the Year, as well as a number of others, including, including from prestigious organizations and festivals like London Film Festival, British Independent Film Awards, and San Sebastian Film Festival. His latest work, Senna, is a documentary about Formula One driving sensation Ayrton Senna and is the winner of the Audience Award for World Cinema Documentary at the 2011 Sundance Film Festival and just this summer also won the Audience Award for Best International Feature at Los Angeles Film Festival in 2011. Welcome, Mr. Asif Kapadia. Hi, Matthew. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Now, briefly, um, how did you get started with Senna and his story, and how and when did you know you wanted it to become a film? Well, I was actually approached by the producer, James Gay Reese, and a writer and exec producer, Manish Pandey. They, James had the idea to make the film. His father had known Senna, and um, it was in, back in 2004 something, a light bulb went up in his head and he thought, there's a film to be made about this guy and nobody's done it yet. But the key thing is, James had the idea to make the film as a documentary, not as a drama, a fiction film. People, I think that's what people have tried in the past. James and Manish um, got the project set up at Working Title Films in London. They then flew to Sao Paulo and met with Senna's family there to get the permission to make the film uh, because many people in the past had tried and, and failed. Um, they then approached Bernie Eccleston, who is the guy who owns the footage. He owns the commercial rights to Formula One all over the world. Very, very powerful guy. So once they had those three elements in place, they then approached directors and spoke to many directors. And luckily for me, most of the other guys were either not into sport or they didn't get the idea or they didn't get Formula One. And for whatever reason, thank God, eventually they came to me. And I've never made a documentary before. Um, but I am a big sport fan, and I do remember Senna, and I remember his period when he was racing, and I remember, you know, his rivalry. So for me, it was perfect timing, and, and that's kind of how I came on board. So really, it's a new, it was always going to be something different for me, because I've never made a documentary, but the, there were certain elements of his character and his story, which I thought the producers felt I would be kind of the right person to do. And also the idea was to make the documentary as cinematic as possible, which is what I try to do with all of my films. So yeah, this is your first foray into documentary filmmaking. And I am curious, like, when approaching the film, um, were there certain films that you looked to as good examples or as models, whether they be narratives or documentaries, in order to tell the story? I mean, the main reference really for, for me was always When We Were Kings, the Muhammad Ali film. Uh, I'm a big Muhammad Ali fan. I saw that at the cinema. For me, he is, you know, nobody can play Ali. I know people can try, but it just doesn't work. The guy is so amazing, and he has to speak for himself. And what he does, you know, as a sports person is unique. Um, so, so that was probably the main reference. In terms of other sporting uh, films um, Hoop Dreams was another documentary in terms of it dealt with a long period of time and the way the structure was dealt with and how emotional the film is and how it pulls you in um, I, don't think, I can't think of any narrative films that were references but actually apart from one Harvey Milk the mm, Milk film just right. that film I remember when that came out the way that used fiction and also little elements of documentary 
which kept reminding you, this is real, this is real, this actually happened, this is a real person. I remember thinking that was a very interesting um, mixture of uh, drama and documentary. So these were, these were some of the things that I had in mind. But really, that this film came out of, um, you know, the footage. It was a simple, simply a matter of looking at the material, looking at the archive. And the more I looked, the more I thought, well, in this case, there's a unique way to make this film. We just stay with the man. We stay in the present. We stay in the moment. And we don't need contemporary talking heads. We don't need people now looking back, telling you how great Senna was. We'll just show you. Um, which for me actually was making the film much more like a narrative fiction film. You know, you have a, a really strong lead character, just stick with the lead character. You don't need anybody else telling you what the... So I don't really like voiceover. I don't really like um, narrators. I'm not a huge fan of what, talking heads. So I tried to make the film in a way that was much more uh, instinctive and natural to me as a film director. Right, yeah. I mean, that that was the, the fascinating thing. I, I could not help but think of... Hoop Dreams and uh, and uh, When We Were Kings. I mean, especially Hoop Dreams, uh, which I think is probably one of the best documentaries about, you know, I mean, about life, but also about sports and, you know, like all the things kind of surrounding sports, which this just seemed to be like a perfect. And it, it is interesting you talking about Gus Van Sant's Milk because it is interesting how that film is able to structure in really only about, you know, two hours of all of this time period of a, you know, yeah. particular window of someone's life, um, which I think this film does quite well as well, too. And transitioning towards that, um, what was the process of putting the film together? Because I have to say, as a, as a, uh, as a when I was younger, I was, I was a, quite an enthusiast of, of motorsports and racing, and I was just amazed that all of these things were just archival footage that were able to be found and brought into this narrative that were was extremely emotionally involving and involving like you said like a narrative in such a huge way yet it was all archival footage and edited together in such a masterful way thank you i mean that was the the challenge right from the beginning the producer the writer and myself are, are people who come from a narrative fiction background but the editors uh Gregor Saw and Chris King are documentary editors. Also, we had a brilliant um, kind of head kind of, of, of archive. And our archive producer was Paul Bell. He had a team of researchers in Sao Paulo, in Rio, in Japan, in Paris, in Rome, and in London. So really, it was a perfect mixture of, of fiction filmmakers and documentary filmmakers, hopefully. And of course, my composer, I should not forget, is... A, is one of the things was, because I knew... The image was going to be whatever I could find. We were going to use it. We were not going to cheat it. Okay, we've got one take. What? <coughs> excuse me. No matter what the footage looks like, we will use it. So we had to make the film sound like a movie. So the sound people are all fiction people. Antonio uh, Pinto, the composer, is a great composer who did City of God and Central Station and Collateral and Behind the Sun. And the sound design team are people that I've worked with previously as well, who who make fiction films. So really, the idea was to use the the archive tell the story with the footage, working with a writer, Manish, who knows Senna's history very, very well. Manish is a huge Formula One fan, huge Senna fan. So he knows every race. He, he's read every book. He knows everything. So he was able to construct the story in a classic three-act structure. And then the rest of us were trying to find a way to keep strong. You know, my instinct all along was we will not have talking heads. We interviewed people. 
we had the voices of people that we interviewed, but I just chose not to use the picture because I felt whatever pictures I show, it would not be stronger than the actual original material. And so all of this was happening at the same time over about a three-year period. We were editing, we were shooting interviews, we were doing research, we were rewriting the script all at the same time um, in order to, to create the movie. Um, the first cut of the film was seven hours long. The first assembly, oh my. Yeah, the first assembly I put together was seven hours, and then we projected a five-hour cut in London, <laughs> followed by a three-hour cut. And so, you know, what that says is that right from day one, the issue was going to be we have too much material. You know, that your first cut is often a good uh, kind of a pointer to how your film is going to be working over the next year or whatever post-production you're in. And in this case, it was just there was so much. You know, we had to really make some tough calls. What are we going to put in the film? There are th certain things that the fans really want. There are things that, you know, the hardcore center fans and Formula One fans all over the world expect things to be in the film. But it was vital for me and for the team that a film had to work for non-fans. Now, they may want other information. You've got to explain certain things for people who are not into Formula One, who are not into the sport, or who've never heard of Senna. So that was the balance that we had to make with the movie, with this amazing amount of material that existed. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, what you were talking about how Manish Pandey, who wrote the, the film, um, uh, was a huge Formula One fan, a huge Senna fan. I'm curious, what was your appeal to motorsports as you as a director and, like, kind of getting you into this story inherently? Like, how, how does motorsports, you know, like, it, you know, as a thing for you? Um, because you were saying, of course, that you knew sports and was a sports fan. Yeah, I mean, because I'm a big sports fan, I watch everything, I try and play everything. So, you know, I remember very, I remember that era. I remember the Senna... Frost era. I was watching Imola live. You know, I, I the accents with Frost. I, I was listening to live on the radio because they were happening in Japan, and I was in London. You know, they were on in the middle of the night when I was a student at college. So I knew enough to know he was a huge, huge sports star worldwide. I knew there was a big pressure to make sure we got it right. But when I'm making a film, I I quite like to go in there not knowing too much about a subject, because I'm going to be living with this subject for five years or seven years. I want to have a journey to go on. So for me, because Manish knew so much, I had to put myself in a position more of the, the non-fans to say, well, we're going to have to work out what do we eliminate from the storyline, because we just don't have time for everything. So I ended up taking the part of somebody who, being a big sport fan, I, I, love, you know, I love watching everything, but I had to have the head of somebody saying, well, we're not going to get interested in the point system. It's so complicated in Formula One. We're not even going to go there. We're not going to talk about tyre trends. We're not going to talk about engines. We're not going to talk about all of the things that, in a way, the hardcore fans maybe would expect because we don't have time for that. We have to show the key races. We have to tell the story. We have to reshoot the story and make it feel as exciting and as visceral as possible. But on the other hand, the film has to stand up as a movie about a man, about a character, about his relationship, about his country, Brazil, about what he stands for, what he believes in. So it's just as important to tell the story of the man away from the car and away from the sport as it is what actually he achieved in the sport. Um, so that was the thing. So in a way, in the process of making it, I became the, or almost become the voice of the non-fan. Yeah, that was one of the things that really impressed me about uh, the film, especially how Formula One and this story in Formula One seems so strikingly like the World Cup 
in relation to here in the U.S. I mean, it's sad to say, but true, we sadly either ignore or just don't even pay attention to some of these stories. And, I mean, it, it, it is funny watching the film when you're seeing it, you're like, how in the world was this not a big deal in the States? Why in the world did, did no one about, talk about this? Did you know anything about Senna? N nothing. I knew nothing about Senna. And you were interested in motorsports. Yeah. I, I, ironically enough, it was more of the American kind of motorsports, like NASCAR and and and, uh, and indie racing and stuff like but, that. But you know, it's a really, really interesting point, and we were very aware of this, and it's played intrinsically been a part of the process of making this film. We were told at the beginning, no one knows who Senna is. Nobody watches Formula One in the U.S. It's one of the, you know, the biggest market, one of the biggest markets in the world. Forget it. Expect absolutely zero. Now, in one way, that was good because there was no pressure on us. We may well, may well have been pushed to make a different film had we been told you have to make this work in the U.S. So we made the film for people around the rest of the world. You know, in Asia, he's huge. In Japan, he's huge. In Latin America, he's huge. Central America, South America, Canada. Europe, everybody knows who he is. I cannot go to any country in the world, any major country in the world, mention the name Ayrton Senna, and people go, who? Apart from <laughs> the US. That's the truth, okay? Now, we have to turn that on its head and make that an advantage. For me, the fact that nobody knows who he is, nobody knows the amazing roller coaster of his life, nobody knows what this man stands for, nobody knows how amazing he is, and nobody knows the ending. So for me, that was always like a plus point. Where else can I go in the world where people don't know the ending? So we um, pushed for Sundance. That's really how it began. On our own, we showed the film to the guys at Sundance. David Courier, one of the selectors from the Sundance Film Festival, saw the film and he told us afterwards, I didn't really want to see this film. I've got no interest in Formula 1. I've got no interest in racing. He loved the movie. Put it in competition. And that was really the process of our, uh, the beginning of our life in the US, winning the World Cinema Audience Prize in the country where nobody knows who he is and nobody cares. Then going on to South by Southwest, we've got Standing Ovation, and then the LA Film Festival, where it won the Audience Prize as well. And really, the film has to stand up for itself. You don't have to be a fan of punching somebody in the head to respect Muhammad Ali and to be able to watch When We Were Kings. You don't have to walk tight ropes to watch When We Were, you know, uh, Man on Wire. You don't have to climb mountains to see Touching the Void. You know, these films stand up as movies. So our film had to stand up as a piece of cinema. And so if you're a fan, you'll get more knowledge from the film. If you're not, you've got an amazing journey to go on. And so that was always our hope and our dream was that this would be a key audience because, and you know what? You can't, you can't force somebody to watch Formula One, but hopefully what happens is people watch our movie, then they get it. They understand why it's such a big deal. And like yourself, a lot of people end up kicking themselves. You know, there's a lot of very well-educated people who are interested in the world affairs and world news and people who like their sport can't believe they've never heard of Senna. Yeah, I mean, I, that that was definitely something. I definitely was kind of kicking myself. And, that, and that's, I, I, I'm just so happy and so excited that a film like this kind of comes around that, like, uh, even somebody, uh, for me, like, you know, like, who's interested in sports, interested in documentaries, you know, honestly, until I had heard, you know, from a Sundance, I was like, who, what is that about? Who is that? No idea. And I mean, I think that, yeah, it does play to you, to your all advantage, you know, for people to come in. And I really hope that people do go and check out and, and support this film. And Santa himself is such an interesting character. Like, he's such a complex character and one who really goes against the grain. I'm interested, like, what fascinated you about the character of Senna 
and how does how how do does he fit with similar characters in your work? I suppose there is while we were making the film, the more the more I saw of Senna, the more I heard him speak. He's so intelligent, he's so eloquent, which in itself is not always the case with a lot of sports people. You know, he speaks three or four languages. The guy did all of his own contract deals. The guy's a businessman. He's a genius in the car, but he is so clever and intelligent out of it. He was his contradiction of being the tough guy on the track. He was a guy that everyone accused of being dangerous, yet he was the one who cared the most about people outside of the car. So I, I, I liked him because he's complicated. He, you know, he had accidents with people. He drove into people on purpose. So there is something about him. He's not whiter than white. The guy is complicated. He's, he's, he's got slight edginess to him, which is always far more interesting as a character for a movie. Also, in a way, he was a bit of an outsider. He was this guy from Brazil. He was this guy who came from Sao Paulo, who spoke Portuguese, who talked about God and faith was a big part of his life. That did not go down well with a British journalist. That did not go down well with a French. You know, he was a guy who seemed to win on the racetrack, but then would be disqualified and lost off the racetrack. So I suppose the theme of an outsider in a very extreme world is something that I've done in most of my films. You know, I, The Warrior was set in the desert and in the Himalayas, and it's about a person who doesn't want to be, you know, a man of violence anymore. He tries to turn against it, but that is not easy. Far North is a film in the Arctic in the North Pole, in a very extreme place with people trying to survive and what the extreme cold and loneliness drives people to do. And Senna is, you know, a much more contemporary version, but it's also about an outsider in a very extreme world, in this case of Formula One, a world of money and politics, you know, and potentially corruption and lots of dodgy things going on in the background. And he's trying to remain pure. It's, you know, it's about the good guy in a, in a bad world almost. And so thematically, as we were making the film, for me, it felt like that's why I'm interested in this guy, because he has elements in him, which I've always been interested in. Um, and I've always made films around the world. I've always been interested in about stories about particular people in particular landscapes around the world. So Senna perfectly fits that concept as well. But that was all subconscious. It wasn't something I was aware of when I started to make the film. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's it's so fascinating how, you know, and one of the things that somebody brings up in the film is how, you know, it's such a tumultuous time for Brazil, and yet he was, like, championing his own nationhood and championing his own, you know, kind of identity out front and center. And, you know, and it's fascinating, too, like, his element of faith, which seems in some ways in very much an unconventional, too. And it's interesting how that, as well as, the like, the film, not knowing the ending, like you said earlier, um, there's this sense of dread, or there's this sense of, like, something's going to happen here, especially in that last race where it just seems like things are destined to go wrong. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's just part of his journey in life. Um, his faith, all of these elements about Brazil, they're all characters in his life and in the movie. You know, Brazil was in such a bad way at the time, coming in, just coming out of a military dictatorship. Financially, the country was in a real mess. Inflation was off the scale. You know, any money anyone had in the bank was worth half the amount of money the next day. There's a lot of poverty, a lot of violence. And this young kid, this young guy goes from Brazil, goes to Europe, wins, takes people on, wins the right way, does it in such a way, and then would very proudly raise the Brazilian flag. This is at a time when a soccer team had not won the World Cup since 1970. So they had very little internationally to be proud of. You know, they were looked down upon as a third world country. Right now, it's hard for us to think about Brazil. You know, it's a brick country, one of the youngest, most wealthy countries that's got oil. 
the World Cup, the Olympics are coming this decade. This is only 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago. And it was in a mess. And so they loved him. You know, the thing about Formula One also is it's on free to air. So most of the races were happening in Europe. So Brazilian families, husbands, you know, wives, children, brothers, sisters, uncles, everyone would get together, wake up at the crack of dawn and watch him race together. Hmm. So there's something special about that. It wasn't just a male thing. It wasn't just this thing that the guys were into. The women loved him too. Young and old, black or white, rich or poor, Senna was their hero. And so that is something that is a particular character and we had to show that in the movie. And then you understand why he meant so much to them. And then on the other side, you've just got all these other facets of his faith. You know, he was very open about speaking about God, but then he was attacked for it. And so he ended up, you know, he shut himself down in a way. He wouldn't speak about his, his faith much in English. He only spoke about it in Portuguese to the people back home because it was something very personal. And it wasn't an act. It wasn't something he was putting on to make himself look good. That was honestly where he was and who he was. Um, and that also plays a big part in his life and, you know, his journey, his faith. Okay. Um, so I just want to ask you uh, one last question. Um, this is your first four-way, foray into uh, documentary filmmaking, and I'm curious, uh, is this going to become a pattern now? Is, uh, um, uh, I, I really hope so with how successful Senna's been. I, I hope so too. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm a director, so my, <clears throat> you know, my aim is to direct movies, and um, I think it all depends on the story. You know, there are certain stories that should be done as fiction films, and there are certain stories that should be done as documentaries, and luckily for me, this has opened up this new genre which I can work in, which um, didn't, wasn't there before, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited to continue working with documentaries, or even, you know, for me as a filmmaker, it's nice to try and experiment, to push myself to try different things. And um, I wanted to find somewhere in the middle of drama and documentary with this film. It was almost like a, someone described it as narrative verite, which I quite like. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hope to continue making documentaries. If I can find the right idea, then I will absolutely continue. Well, thank you so much, Asif Kapadia, for your time. And I really do hope that... Uh, um, even more as it gets larger and larger in general release, uh, uh, that Senna really takes off here in this country because it's definitely a really amazing documentary about an amazing character that really deserves uh, people's look and time. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today for this interview. Thank you. Real pleasure talking to you.